Our reading this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 15, um, and you'll find that on page 72 of the Pew Bibles. And as it's a baptism service, what an appropriate passage. The Israelites have just come through the waters of the Red Sea, and God has saved them. And this is Moses's and Miriam's song of praise. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. 
There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Um, when we uh, hear chapter 15, it's, it's a response to the, to the history that's already happened. It's a response to the, the, the Red Sea that's gone through. Because whenever we come across history, it's not just neutral, is it? There isn't such thing as sort of uh, neutral things happening. Whenever we look back on anything in history, whether that be uh, our sort of national history or whether it be our personal history, uh, we respond in some way to it. And there are significant moments. So, for example, uh, the 9th of May, 1945, uh, when those words, our dear Channel Islands will also be freed, were uttered, they, they were important words to my national home of Guernsey. And indeed, every year, growing up, and still is today, uh, May the 9th is a bank holiday. I've asked Nick for time off, but he's never um, given it to me yet. Um, but, but that sense of it, it's a day to remember. The fun fair would come to town, and we'd be remembering and celebrating that day, that day that we were freed. A positive thing to remember. Uh, then, of course, maybe the 23rd of March, 2020. You've got to stay at home. Uh, that sort of, that moment of history where you respond, perhaps more negatively, to something that happened. There are moments in, in history that we, we just respond to. History is not neutral. And indeed, we can look at our own lives. We can uh, look back to significant moments, the good, the bad, in our own lives. At times that we, we remember and we draw back to. Anniversaries, births, deaths. All of those that we respond uh, to. Well, uh, here, uh, we have the moment in Israel's history. Uh, the moment of the, the Passover lamb, the Red Sea. That's the, the history then chapter 15 is the response to it. So with that in mind, uh, let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for your word, uh, and we pray uh, this morning, as we look at Israel's response to their great salvation, uh, that it might help us to respond rightly to you in the way that you have saved us. Uh, Father, may this passage be uh, not simply information gathering, but actually uh, a means to help us to respond rightly to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As with all stories, it's always good to go back. We won't go back all the way. You can hear my sermon last week to kind of hear the recap from chapter one. But crucially, chapter 11 and 12 is the moment that Israel left Egypt. It's the moment that the last plague came, the death of the firstborn. But with the chance of Israel being saved by that lamb taking its place. A chance for for Israel to be saved from judgment by the lamb taking the place. 
Uh, they were told to, to do the, the blood on the doorposts. Uh, again, you can hear Nick's sermon from a few weeks ago uh, more fully uh, about that from Exodus 11 and 12. Uh, but after that moment, Pharaoh said, go, uh, get out. I, I don't want you here anymore. Uh, go. And then we move to the sermon last week, uh, 13 and 14. Uh, here, uh, this is the Lord leading his people. You might remember if you were here that he, he led them effectively to a, a dead end. Uh, well, they had the sea in front of them, the desert to the side and the army behind. And there was no hope. Uh, he led them there. Uh, and then he, he parted the sea. And they walked through on dry land. And by this time, uh, Pharaoh had changed his mind and, and gone after the Israelites to chase after them. Uh, he piled in into the sea. And in that moment where Moses stretched out his hand again uh, and the sea covered uh, the Egyptians. Uh, that that uh, Israel was saved uh, not from judgment, but saved through judgment. Uh, and that moment where they, they effectively entered uh, the sea uh, as slaves uh, and they came out as sons and daughters. It's one of the pictures of baptism. We enter as those who are uh, slaves to sin. We come out as those who are his children. Uh, and it's here in Exodus 15 that we have the response of the people. And it's to sing. It's to sing. Uh, interestingly, uh, they sing verse 1. Uh, Moses and Israelites sang this song to the Lord. But then also verse 21, Miriam sang to them. Uh, this is a song of praise both to God, but also it's about singing to each other. Uh, that really important dual aspect that we, we praise the Lord for who he is and we sing to one another about what he's done. Uh, but the content of the song, it, maybe it was striking to you, uh, but the content of the song is primarily about God's judgment. Do you notice that? I sing to the Lord for he's highly exalted. This is verse two, verse one, sorry. Uh, both horse and driver, he's hurled into the sea. Uh, the, the song is unashamedly saying God is praiseworthy because he judges I don't know how you feel about that but when you heard the reading or me just saying that now God is praiseworthy because he judges and that's not just from this passage it, it's from the whole Bible uh, we see time and time again God is praiseworthy and good because he judges. Because he's the one who is uh, truly good. And, and not just kind of, you know, mostly good. He is completely good. By definition, everything he says is good. And he uses his power and authority to do the right thing. So it may be that we, we read this and we think, is this God being a bit of a monster? But that just doesn't tally with everything that we know about God. It just doesn't sit. It's inconsistent. So the question then perhaps comes back to us is, well, is there more going on? Maybe it reveals something deeper about our human condition that we don't really know. Maybe actually uh, sin and uh, sin exemplified in Pharaoh is actually worse than we thought. Because the Israelites, in light of this, they, they sing. 
Uh, They sing that that God has freed them. They sing uh, that their greatest foe, uh, Egypt, has been judged, has been dealt with, uh, to be never to be seen again. Uh, They sing, as I said, to God and to each other. Verse 1 and verse 21. Uh, And they sing a a personal song. Uh, Verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God, I will exalt him. This is not a song about uh, generic attributes of God. Uh, God saves. God is strong. God defends. All true, but actually it's saying God is my salvation. He is my saviour. He's my defence. He's mine. And he's done this. It's a personal story about the Lord fighting for them. And that's what we see from verses 3 to 10. Uh, We see that this is the moment that God gets his hands dirty, if you will. He's not uh, kind of uh, away and afar. He's somebody who got down his hands and knees who, uh, verse 4, it says, he has hurled. Uh, verse 6, uh, your right hand. Verse 7, uh, you threw. Uh, verse 8, by the blast of your nostrils. Uh, verse 10, uh, you blew. This is a God who is involved. It's not a God in a galaxy far, far away. He's sort of just uh, cold and distant. And sort of chucks out a few things to say. This is a God who enters and fights for his people. He gets down on his hands and knees to rescue them. And so that's why the people sing. They sing about what the Lord has done. And they, they sing about what the Lord has done in, in comparison to the, to the Egyptians. So verse 7 Uh, He says, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. In other words, Egypt is just like a a speck of sawdust going into the fire. I mean, you can imagine that in a big fight night. Tonight we've got a fire versus a speck of sawdust. I mean, who's going to win? Egypt are nothing. They're like a, a bit of sawdust going into the fire. That's as much chance as they've got. Uh, But more than that, Egypt are are those that boast, verse 9. Four times, it says, verse 9, the enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself, I will draw my sword, sorry, five times, draw my sword, my hand destroy them, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Verse 10, but you blew with your mouth, and the people don't stack up. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. No one. No one. There is no one like our God. But more than that, he doesn't simply save them, he leads them. Verse 13, 
verse 11, sorry. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. There is no one like our God. No one at all. Uh, The nations will come. We see that in verses uh, 14 to 16. The nations who they've not met yet, Felicia and Edom and Moab, Canaan, that they melt away in fear because of all the Lord has done. Uh, The Lord is going to lead them into the land. And as he does, they'll be like stone, just standing still. Until, verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them. On the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands have established. The Lord will save his people. He will guide his people, lead them, and then he will establish them. And so it's as if this song of praise just comes to a climax where where Moses just says, verse 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. The Lord reigns. He is king. He's a good king. Who has, who does good things. The Lord reigns. And it's at this, at this moment that, that Moses and the people are, are tying themselves to God as they worship. And, and when I say worship, I, I mean singing, but I also mean their whole lives. As they worship God, that they're, they're tying themselves to God, saying, You are all we've got, you are everything. You you are my only hope, my only boast, my only life, my only trust. It's you. The Lord is all we've got. It's a a wonderful, triumphant song that they sing because of everything the Lord has done for them. And so if that's true of Moses, how much more must it be true for us? How much more must it be true for us? How much more is this deliverance, that picture of being brought through the Red Sea, how much more must it be true of the salvation that we have in the person of the Lord Jesus? How much more? The the one who uh, stepped in to take our place, who became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, The one who led us through the waters to bring us into his kingdom. The one who faced not the judgment of Egypt, but the judgment of sin and death. The one who uh, literally stepped down from heaven and gone on his hands and knees and feet to crawl into our world, to save us, to do what we could not. Uh, But the one who used his hands and his feet not to, to beat up and oppress, but to stretch them out on a cross and to be nailed to a cross for you and for me. The Lord gets down into our world to save us. There is no one like him. There is no person, power or authority that can stand up to him or stop him. This is our God. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. So we sing, we sing to God, we we sing praises of saying, Lord, you are good. I stand in awe of who you are. 
We sing to the Lord and declare to him publicly that we are his. We sing to each other as a corporate whole saying, we are his. Together, that we remind each other and encourage each other as we sing. We respond to all that he's done. And then as we worship, as we worship through our singing and as we worship in our lives, we are tying ourselves to the Lord. We are saying, Lord, you are all I have. How great thou art. You are all I have. You are mine. You are my everything. You are my stronghold, my refuge, my salvation. You are all I need. Every day, in the good, the bad, and the ugly, you are all I need. You are mine. And this is the, the, the high point that we get to. And at this point in the chapter, this is where the, the section in the book ends, if you will. So if you were, the chapters and verses were added later. Um, this is kind of the bit of the bit where the, the section ends. They've been delivered through uh, the Red Sea and they're singing a song of praise. And then we move into a bit uh, where they're, they're walking in the, the wilderness going towards uh, Mount Sinai to the Ten Commandments. And although it's a different section, I'm actually really glad it's part of our same passage. Because there's a, there's a sense of reality to it. Because actually, things go a bit downhill. As we read, had, as Jill read verses 22 to 27, their attitude has changed. Verse 22, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went to the desert of Shur for three days. This is three days after they went through the Red Sea. It's not like a years away. It's just, what, Friday? Well, Thursday, depending on how I counted. From now, that was. It's not long ago. And they've got no water, which admittedly is a big problem. But their response is not to go, Lord, you're our salvation. You're our strength, our refuge. We we really need some help. Their response is to go, grumble, 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 grumble. Their response is to go, what are we going to drink? Or in other words, what have you done leading us here? We're going to die first. What's going on? And then the Lord kindly provides for them. They, they get this bitter water and uh, Moses throws a bit of wood in it and it makes it fit to drink. But then at the very end, they're led to Elam. Uh, verse 27, where there were 12 springs, 70 palms. In other words, that's where they were headed. The Lord was providing for them. He provided not simply sort of like a tablet, but he provided in abundance for them. That's where they were going. But I'm grateful this passage is here because it adds a touch of reality. Because it's probably just me. But I'm someone who can be sat here on a Sunday morning singing praise to God. You know, saying, Lord, you're my everything. You are, I'm going to live for you. And then about an hour later, shouting at my kids. I mean, we would never do that, would we? We would never be those that, that say, oh, Lord, you're my everything. Whatever comes from your hand is good. And then say, Lord, what are you doing? Do you know who I am? Well, I certainly do that. And so what, what does that remind me of? What, what am I reminded of when I see that 
see my own inconsistency? Well, the first is that actually I need Jesus. There's not going to come a point where I'm going to go, that's it, I've made it. Every day I need Jesus. Every day I need his grace. Every day, every day I need to say, Lord, I need you. I, 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 once again, through uh, sins deliberate, sins not even deliberate, through things that I've said, done and thought, things that I'm not even aware of, I need you. Because I'm someone uh, who is not yet home. I'm somebody who is still in need of grace and forgiveness. And then I can remember that there is more grace and forgiveness in God than there is ever sin in you or me. There's more grace and forgiveness in God than sin in you. He is a God who will never tire of extending his hand. He will never tire and say, look, that's it. You've just gone too far now. He's a God who is always kind, who always extends his hand saying, you are my child. I love you. My son died for you. I forgive you because of my son. Every day, I always need Jesus. And I get to drink that in every day. But then secondly, I'm also reminded to, uh, to not be a goldfish. Uh, goldfish is supposed to have 10-second memories. Uh, in the TV series Ted Lasso, that uh, he uses it positively to say, uh, don't think about your mistakes, forget about them. But my problem is, I forget about the Lord's promises. I'm like a goldfish. I forget all the things the Lord has done, both what we might term in salvation history, all the things that we, we can read in the Bible, but also I forget all the things he's done in my life, all the good things. I'm like a goldfish. I forget. But actually, I, I need to remember. I need to day by day bring the good news of Jesus before my eyes to say, that's who I am. I need to do that. That's one reason, that's the main reason that I read my Bible, is to bring God's promises before my eyes, not so it makes God happy, but so I remember the goodness of God. It's why we need each other as brothers and sisters on Sundays and every day to say, you're a beloved brother, sister. It's why we sing songs where we declare praise to God and we remind each other that in Christ alone my hope is found. In Christ alone our hope is found. It's why we share communion. Where we break the bread and we say, Jesus' body broken for you. Take this and eat to remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. The body of Christ broken for you. Preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Remember. Don't be a goldfish. Remember the Lord's done. And as we do, surely we're led here to a song that says, the Lord reigns forever and ever. So even in the hard moments of life, in those moments of my history, when I just want to cry, and that's fine, by the way, we can still say, but I trust. And the Lord reigns forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
that you are indeed good. We thank you that you are our God, you are my God. Thank you that you are my salvation, my strength, my stronghold. Thank you for your grace that comes to me every day. Lord, help us, help me, help us all to remember, to cling to your promises and to live in light of that and in our lives and words declare the Lord reigns forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you, Joe.